something from the private stash. Lazarus, Lazarus, come out. I've got something in my heart, I can't get it out. Over if I am the Holy Ghost, and you know just what that means. I got you, and you got me. You know, now, don't don't get me wrong, right? Lenda's Lenda's a fine city, and uh, I finally started to dry out from my late night adventure, stumbling around all over the all over the streets of Westminster, and uh, but fancy hotels, Piccadilly, bright lights, big city aside, there's one thing that was lacking. But I'm here sequestered in in the vapor lounge. The vapor lounge has been become my temporary quarters here. Pardon me for a moment, won't you? It don't feel like a proper... British gentleman is preparing a cup of tea. Absolutely. <laughs> After our culinary adventure last night, man. Within, uh, within been about 15 minutes of showing up, you've taken the day off work. And we're, we're heading off an adventure. And we've been baking. This is probably bag 20 in the last 12 hours. I lost count long ago, man, <laughs> long ago, and I'm not going to try and start counting now. <laughs> well, it's, uh, you know, we're, we we, we got to show our professionalism, right? You know, because with all your, your wide variety, we got to try everything at least twice, exactly. you know? Exactly. <laughs> and then, uh, and, and, and I've been kind of on a mission to, like, try everything that, as long as it's something I haven't tried before, I'm wide open, right? So I... I well, well, the jam tart, I suppose I've had something close enough to a jam tart where that wasn't a, totally original. But then we went to, for pork pie with pickle. Is that what it was? Yeah, man, pork pie with pickle. That's a, that's a pretty esoteric British snack. You know, there, are, there aren't many Brits left who would like that. So I'm glad that you, uh, you appreciated it. <laughs> it was good. Well, you know, like usually when I think of pickles, I think of like, you know, like a, you know, like a dill pickle or a sweet yeah, pickle or yeah. a gherkin or, or something like that, you know? Yeah. As opposed to sort of brown, nondescript. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> if I didn't have such implicit trust in you, and and B was totally baked and ready to eat just about anything, I would have been a little bit apprehensive. <laughs> but I had some pork pie and pickle with a cup of tea, and then went out for, uh, well, it was on my list, my virtual list of shit to do while I'm in England, ride a double-decker bus, check, did that. Yeah. Eat killer Indian food, holy shit, we did that. Man. And uh, I, don't, I don't think I let this heat up enough. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Was thinking I got a little bit hasty, man. Well, I've been up for all of about four minutes and uh, went <laughs> directly, directly for volcano. So the synapses aren't entirely firing yet. But uh, Max Freakout came along for the Indian feast, and you guys like order curry like KG old veterans, man. Where I uh, belie my amateurism in in ordering Indian food, but man, I. I, I, I did a fine and noble job of, of eating some, some kind of like creamy lamb. Something lamb passanda. Yeah, it was a lamb passanda. Yeah, it's, it's one of the sort of milder options. But uh, yeah, did you enjoy it? Oh, yeah, totally, man. I enjoyed whatever it was that you were eating, too. Man. Yeah, the, the chicken jalfrezi. That's, that's one of my all-time favorites. Jalfrezi. It sounds, yeah. it sounds dangerous just saying that. Well, you know? yeah, it's spicy. They throw in a lot of fresh chilies and stuff. I love that. It's, you know, a bit, yeah, yeah, yeah. bit of a kick to it. I'm a big fan of spicy food. I'm a rock man. Rock man, 
And so, yeah, Brighton's got, uh, it's got a big pier that you can go and check out, which has got like a sort of mini fun fair and uh, amusements and stuff on. It's got a lot of restaurants and pubs and bars, uh, shops. And, you know, it's just a cool little town to, to hang around in on a, on a sunny weekend like today. Well, let's hope the sun holds up. <laughs> yeah, really. It's it. it could be much rain and, and disaster falling from the sky, but it's all good, man. I wouldn't expect anything less than uh, the unexpected. But, uh, yeah, the, the quest is pretty simple, too, man. You know, chill out, take some dubs for the road because yeah. no one's invented the killer portable vaporizer yet. No. Is any mad scientist listening out there? <laughs> I've got a little pipe though. We can bring that oh, yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah. So we'll, we'll have a couple of different options and plenty of those new uh, cellulose skins. Have you seen uh, them? Oh, yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. Remember, I did uh, one of those San Francisco podcasts, one of the first time I'd seen them, and I was like, holy shit, what yeah. is this? Yeah. You're wrapping it in what? And, uh, and, and once I got turned on to them, man, I, I totally like them. And, and it's, it's funny because like, it's like the x ray joint, man. It's like yeah. you're smoking. And the, the taste, yeah. there is really there, a difference in the taste, which I never would have believed. You know, when I heard, I, I, people were telling me about this for about six months before I even saw them myself. So uh, I was very jaded to it all. I was like, look, this yeah, is yeah, rubbish. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's yeah. viral marketing. They're just, you know, they're, they're going to be no, no better for you than papers. And it's true, they are no better for you, but at least you don't taste the paper and you don't notice how strong a taste that is until it's gone. So, right, right. Uh, yeah, they're pretty cool. I like them. And by the time you get like your roaches, just like this big sticky black yeah. thing by the end. Yeah, and, yeah. And it's cool seeing uh, like just that insider view of your dube as you're uh, roasting it too. Definitely. But well, I think we need a cup of tea, don't you? Yeah, totally. Tea and more weed. Yeah, good plan. At times like this, is his best apartment for a tasty beverage. Just what that means, I got you. 
With a tassel bag of teeth stuck in my hand Oh, all the baseball fans are staring at me They said watch out for the curse of walking on land oh, I said Lazarus, Lazarus come out I got something in my Since I was a young boy, I smoked the silver bowl from Soho down to Brighton. I must have took them all. <laughs> oh, that deaf, dumb stone kid sure could smoke a mean silver bowl. And let's just be glad the Atlantic isn't prone to tidal waves, because were there a tidal wave, there would only be John Sinclair and Cosmo to bring on the knowledge of... of of psychedelics and cannabis to the you, the noble podcast listener. For I'm here on the on the edge of the Atlantic. Oh, a cute little tram going by of some kind. Old timey train in Brighton. Dope fiend. <laughs> Rolling up. What do you got there? The Jack Herrera? Yeah, we're hitting the Jack Herrera. We've got some uh, Alida cellulose papers and we're going to see how it how it stands up to the brighton winds <laughs> but i think we've picked probably the best day we could have it's pretty glorious weather isn't it yeah i'm glad the weatherman was lying man you know i don't mind a bit of rain but yesterday he predicted in, intrepid storms all day it was going to be uh, heavy storms all day they said it's ridiculous it's like uh, it's this like the riviera here <laughs> <laughs> Max freak out is completely freaked out, spread out. Oh, he's been attacked by a wee dog. That's about. Smell the ganja. Yeah, ganja, ganja dog. It's a wee little terrier. Come over to say hello. <laughs> and and off he goes. But it's like this beach. It's like uh, it's not a sandy beach. Look, it's covered with pebbles and rocks of all sizes. And, uh, and, and they tend to be sort of a bit of a reddish-brickish hue, which, which tends to be the, country, the color of the country in general, is a reddish-brickish hue. When I think of England, I'm thinking of a reddish-brickish hue interspersed with occasional bits of greenness. 
and well in this case in this case a very specific piece of greenness rolling up in the uh, in the clear rollies too man so we can uh, witness the grandeur that is the kind bud that has traveled the same uh, relatively the same path although it came in a smaller envelope and I and was a little bit more uh, less carbon wasting as I since I took the plane but uh, nevertheless it's it's like having an old Canadian friend here to to, to greet me <laughs> along <laughs> along with my English cohorts well, I'm sure this took a plane as well, of course, otherwise it would have taken much longer than it did to get here. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's pretty sweet. We don't have the uh, the old fur trappers bringing over by canoe anymore. That's how Canada's economy was built. It's pretty much building, bringing beaver pelts by canoe back to England, wasn't it? <laughs> I believe so. <laughs> but it's not your word for it. <laughs> but, it, well, it's just nice to know that there's another export that we're able to send back to the old uh, motherland besides maple syrup. <laughs> But between yeah. the two of those, you know, and you, and you haven't gotten our taste for ice hockey yet, but the ice hockey players are coming. September, they're coming to London, so be wary. And you yeah. might you have to, might have to be my uh, my uh, correspondent, okay. and you might have to go represent. I'll check it out. <laughs> I, don't, I won't understand what's going on at all, but I'll do my best. It's like soccer without or football without crying. Like they don't fall on the ground and whine, and they don't have that holy water. They they come and sprinkle on the injured players. It suddenly makes them leap back into action. I don't know what that is, man, but that stuff is awesome. I totally want some. Um, and it's it's like it's like football, but they're going really fast, and they're on skates, and uh, oh, and they're allowed to hit each other. So aside from that, it's pretty much like football, and they don't cry. Yeah, it sounds pretty sweet. <laughs> We've roped uh, Max Freak out into our uh, expedition today as well. He's joined us all the way from North London here in Camden. And you had sort of the uh, unwitting uh, duty of being our advanced reconnaissance team since yeah. uh, we weren't able to, to hop the train with the efficient effectiveness that you might expect from two, uh, two <laughs> noble, diligent, and completely already baked travelers this morning. But it did give us a chance for a beverage. How's your ride out? It was great. As soon as I got here, I just immediately started thinking, wow, Brighton is so cool. Why do I not come here more often? Because um, I used to come here every weekend when I was a kid. Like, I used to live in Eastbourne, not far down the coast. And uh, this was my kind of town to come to every Saturday. But I haven't been here in over a year. So Brighton rocks. Yeah, it's a totally cool little village vibe. There's markets everywhere and little lanes you wander down. And people selling all sorts of things from stripy socks to, uh, to hemp goods. Man, we roll into that, that hemp shop. And I've got, uh, while I was again greeted with many uh, familiar Canadian products. And the I, salesperson knew what she was talking about as well. She was willing to talk about hemp and uh, things yeah, like that yeah, in yeah. the shops. Yeah, at first I thought, well, maybe it's just some, you know, low-wage employee in there just hanging out or whatever. But she was really hip to it. And, uh, and I got to check out Kenyon Gibson's book, Hemp for Victory. I saw that for the first time. That was kind of a treat. Nice-looking book, eh? Definitely. Yeah, I have to read that one day. And the other one, what was the other one? There were two. Uh, Hemp Horizons. A guy named John Rulak from California wrote that, and both include wee little snippets of my humble research. But while I was there, I picked up a, a, a Swiss cannabis iced tea, which got a picture of like an ice cube with a hemp leaf in it. And it said, at, at boasts a fantastic natural feeling. And I had never even seen this packaging. Have you ever seen packaging like this before? Oh, like that. Yeah, yeah. I've seen yeah. Sort of ecological. It's a cardboard can, really, isn't it? It's a, it's it's like a cardboard cylinder rather than a than an aluminium one. And um, I'd actually heard about this sea ice cannabis iced tea uh, when it first came on the market because there was um, a few press releases that I got sent, but I never managed to uh, get hold of it. So it's good to taste it, and it actually is really nice. You can kind of taste that that kind of herby flavour. It's 
it's the flavor you only really get if you use a vaporizer because when you smoke you don't you, you you know the smoke overpowers it but you can definitely notice the taste of it in the iced tea so it's good stuff well i had some swiss company send me a little sample bottle of hemp essential oil and they were saying for use in foods and cosmetics and stuff like that and I, it was just like wicked concentrated weed smell it's like you had just gone out and rolled around in a big pile of buds and then condensed that smell but it was like i didn't know what they'd be using it for smelly oil you mean or pressed hemp oil that you have no, like it wasn't pressed hemp oil it's essential oil so it was like yeah yeah so it was uh, a whole other and it was a cool little vial of it and it was just wicked concentrated i mean it's so aromatic you know just one little tiny bit and i thought oh maybe i should just put, start putting a little dab of that behind each ear when i go out for the evening <laughs> but then everyone will be coming up to me going man you're holding man i totally know you got the skunky nugs <laughs> yeah totally get the dogs a barking and then and then i also got a nine bar which is like an organic uh uniquely nutritious mixed seed bar with hemp made in wales you guys ever make it out to wales I haven't been. I went when I was about ten years old, oh, but yeah. not since then. Wells is quite cool, though. Yeah. It's famous for uh, long, long, uh, long words. Wales, That's famous right, yeah. for long words. Place names as well. It's got the longest. Well, there's one place which has got the longest place name. It's something like Clandidiodidiodidiodidiodidiodidiodidiodidiodidiodidiodidiodidiodidiodidiodidiodidiodidiodidiodidiodidiodidiodidiodidiodidiodidiodidiodidiodidiodidiodidiodidiodidiodid
Now, when I, was back, when I was here back in the day, I got caught up in some train delay getting to the airport because of IRA bomb threat. Does that shit still go down? Or has that been kind of sorted out? Yeah, the, the days of bombs in the bins are kind of over now, which is uh, a very good thing. But we all lived through that, that period, uh, you know, up until I guess it was the, the late 80s when it all started uh, dying down. And the peace process has actually been pretty successful in Northern Ireland. You know, there's uh, now they have a, a, a parliament um, sort of made up of uh, Sinn Féin and the unionists. So this is like the, the, the two sides that were completely opposed have, have actually come together and, and they're trying to work things out. And there's, you know, nobody really knows how successful it's going to be long term, but it looks like we're, we're getting there at last, which is a good thing. Good news. Go ahead. Go ahead, Carl. The one, the one way that, that this peace process started happening, and the reason we don't get bombs in the bins anymore, is because we negotiated with terrorists. That's the one thing that we refused to do in the, in the Middle East. We actually negotiated with these people. Now we're friends with them, more or less. They don't bomb us anymore. So uh, we could maybe maybe extend that lesson uh, to other parts <laughs> yeah, of the world, perhaps. I'll tell you one thing that's really interesting and really worth seeing if you ever get a chance. I don't know how you'd get hold of it, but it might be online somewhere. The BBC made a series with, uh, with um, oh, who's that guy? He's an African uh, um, Catholic uh, cardinal. Tutu, that's Desmond it. Tutu. Archbishop Desmond Tutu. And he, um, he basically, uh, as, as an intermediary, united families of uh, of people who had been killed uh, in the Irish troubles with the people who had uh, killed those uh, family members they call that restorative justice exactly yeah and you know they talked these things through and it was it's incredible to watch because the whole thing is documented and it's just uh, just seeing how these people then understand on a personal level where these quarrels came about and and you know the acceptance or, and the forgiveness is really heartwarming to see and that's that's a really good sign for the future that we can get on for once you know and forget about all this nonsense and maybe that'll happen with the middle east you never know it'd be a good thing if it did i think yeah, yeah there's massive power and reconciliation and i you know and sitting down and just breaking bread or passing a dub uh, with uh, with people that uh, that yeah hitherto hadn't gotten along with I'm, i know the emergency joint tucked behind the ear has got me out of some some uh, some squabbles just on a personal violence basis so if we can magnify that to a bigger scale man that'd be fantastic okay well i'm token this joint tell me the thing that you're most proud about about being english um, I'm not really the one to talk because I'm kind of getting ready to move to Holland, so I'm maybe not the right person to ask. I'm a bit, bit fed up of, of uh, the attitude in this country, in this country now. Particularly the newspapers—they they just make me cringe. Um, these newspapers—they hand out free all over London. They're, they're written for. For ten-year-olds, I swear, it's just so. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's agony I'm, to read them. To think that millions of people are reading them and kind of absolutely, man, excited I, about it. I, I'm a little shocked and flummoxed to picking up a paper that looks like a newspaper and it's just tabloid fodder. And but this is a country that lives and and loves fucking news and information, all kind. Fifteen channels of news, full bore, man. Yeah, it's a it's a tabloid culture though. We're very much into that sort of sensationalization of news. And I was reading the Sun newspaper on the way down here, actually, on the train, which I sometimes flick through but rarely read. And uh, I was just, just amazed at, at some of the hyperbole and stuff that they're still managing to get away with. And people lap it up. 
But I think that it's it's hard to be proud of the country that you come from. I think because that sort of smacks of of a blind nationalism exactly, and you know it's it's arbitrary where you where you live, where you were born. But I do like Britain, and I've got you know it's my home. And one of the things that I love about London in particular is the the multi ethnicity, the multi diversity, and just the way you can get anything from anywhere in the world in London. And and it'll be like the top quality stuff as well. Absolutely. It's it, it's definitely a, an international city. It's a massive force, London. And I I'm more proud of London than I am of Britain in general. Well, you know, we we're talking about you know where Vancouver is you know tremendously multicultural, but it's different flavors of cultures. I mean, it's much more Asian vibe. And where there's lots of Indians, it's mostly Sikh folk, and uh, but there's a lot of different colors. And I love. I have like a little game that I play when I'm riding trans in Vancouver, picking out languages because I'm really interested in languages, and I try to pick out what they're what they're speaking. And man, I'm hearing a lot of Russian in, in London too. There's a lot of Russians, man. What's up with that? There's a lot of Russian. There's a lot of Polish. Uh, a lot of Eastern European immigrants now joining because uh, they've they've just joined the EU, so they're able to come over here and work. A lot of service staff at the hotels. Exactly, yeah, and builders and. Uh, you know, manual workers, the people who do the jobs that the working class in Britain don't want to do anymore because they all want to be famous. They want to be reality <laughs> TV stars, you oh know. <laughs> Fifteen channels of reality TV, man. <laughs> yeah. And now I know everything that's going to be on the on the US TV in about two years, man, because I saw it yesterday in England, you know, because all these shows and it's uh, that just sort of get rehashed and, and reworked for the US. And I still don't really watch them there. But, you know, one of the things that I think uh, um, is maybe one of in a in more modern context, one of England's better exports is uh, that survived in some of the former Commonwealth countries, of which Canada is sort of grouped in that bunch, is, uh, is that kind of appreciation for the arts and public arts and public broadcasting, you know? People seem to love making fun of the BBC and love and hate it. It's the same sort of thing with the CBC in Canada, but just seeing that appreciation for the arts and museums everywhere yeah. and keep preserving and sort of celebrating the history. But it's a fine line between sort of celebrating the nationalism, you know, and I rambled on the other night about war memorials, and it's like kind of a strange thing to celebrate. Shouldn't we celebrate the periods of non-war? They just have a statue to celebrate that 40 years when we managed to stay the fuck out of other people's business and no one got killed. Can we celebrate that? But then at the same time, you have to remind people of, of war, I think. Otherwise, it's all too easy to, to forget that, uh, that, you know, in our very, very recent history, uh, people were being gassed like, like uh, cattle in these uh, facilities and it could very easily happen again. We've seen how close we're coming to it with a lot of the far-right uh, movements that are blossoming in this period of, uh, of Middle East tension. And, you know, you need to keep the knowledge of that going so that it's, it's a warning to these people uh, that, you know, we can't ever go that far again because it's obviously the darkest chapter in, in humanity's history that I can think of anyway. Oh, absolutely. And to think that that was really just a generation or two ago, and now people are driving bends. You know, it really hit home when I was in Guam, where Guam, uh, Japan occupied Guam for a number of years, and they had kind of right after Pearl Harbor and all that. And, uh, and then the, the U.S. came and took it back, and there was Japanese soldiers who were like, oh, shit, the Americans are coming. They go hit out in caves. And they hid in caves in Guam. And this is an island 11 miles by like 20 miles, right? And they hid in caves for like 20, 30 years. And we're, we're, they were finding 
hidden soldiers in the 70s that have been hiding there since World War II. They get out of their caves and there's Japanese tourist hotels. I mean, the whole economy revolves around U.S. military and Japanese tourists. And who would have ever, ever in their craziest imagination in 1944 have guessed that, you know? So it's really amazing to see how those wounds are capable of healing, you know? Although I saw a statue for the Crimean War, and I have no idea. And I'm a guy who, like, follows some history. I have no idea what the Crimean War was. Anyone? No idea. Um, <laughs> I have a sort of loose historical position. Where is Crimea? Is there a place called Crimea? Ah, uh, jeez. Yeah. It was in, it's part of the whole uh, imperial history of wars. There were a lot of these uh, skirmishes that went on around... Uh, imperial um uh you know Squabbling. exactly yeah and uh, it's like the the zulu wars and stuff in <laughs> africa there there are loads of these little skirmishes that that carried on and killed off plenty of people and you know uh, they don't seem to be stopping anytime no, soon no. Either. well there was just a big celebration last few days of the uh, falklands war yeah. and they're rolling out all the people from the falklands war and that's like that's got to be like uh that's that's a weird one to celebrate, you know. The, the, the weirdest thing about that is that Argentina have recently uh, denounced Britain's uh, ownership of the Falklands again. You know, uh, following the Falklands War and 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 Britain's sort of claim over the Falklands being re-established, uh, Argentina kind of accepted that Britain were in charge then. And now, recently again, Argentina have said, no, the Falklands are Argentinian territory and we're kind of interested in having them back. So there could even be another Falklands war. You never know. I mean... Anyone have, anyone have a clue why England cares about the Falklands? What's there? <laughs> Supposedly British citizens and they, they don't want to move from the Falklands. You know, they've been there for years and years. They don't want to leave British rule and, and become Argentinian citizens. And I suppose... You know, they're, they're, you have to show some sort of loyalty to your subjects as a country and, and help them out if somebody else wants to invade them. But it, it is a very strange uh, argument to have over such a tiny little island that's so far away, you know. I, th I think that what these populations really amount to, though, is just a, a few farmers and a lot of sheep. <laughs> so um, it's not like... Uh, it, was, it was more a, a political move by Margaret Thatcher to kind of establish her authority. Um, and, and the Argentinians were only accept, uh, they only accepted British rule by force because they had no choice so it would uh, good for them if they're going to resist uh, resist it again and I, I don't think there will be another Argent there'll be another Falklands war that people are going to die in and with big military action and stuff hopefully if they do it again maybe finally we'll kind of say okay then all right it's, it's unreasonable of us to force you to accept our ownership of you so you can just have your independence that would be well, independence we would be better than, than diverting to Argentinian rule, I think, though, because Argentina is notoriously unstable as a nation, and uh, you never know what, what is going to happen there. So I think, I think if anything has to happen in the Falklands, it has to be independence or some sort of coeval system where, where they both uh, control a, a section of it or something. But, but yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like to see the people who are living in the Falklands put under the instability of the Argentinian regime. Instant Argentinians. You've been shooting along.